Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. Tonight we want to talk about being an encourager. And I'm going to do a quick uh, study in the life of someone that uh, we are a little familiar with from the New Testament. He was actually given the nickname, the encourager. (laughs) And so uh, to kind of give us a profile of what an encourager looks like. And we all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. And we all need to be in these days a person who encourages others. Uh, So we're going to look at at, at this uh, individual who is called the son of consolation. Another word for consolation is encouragement. He's, He's called, he was given a nickname. He was such an encouraging person that the church where he served gave him this nickname, son of encouragement, the encourager. And that is uh, a man by the name of Barnabas. He was a member of the first church in Jerusalem. Uh, He came to know the Lord. Uh, He became a part of that first church and he became a very prominent person uh, in the the book of Acts. Just a couple of, of places where he is mentioned in Acts chapter four, verses 34 through 37. Here's what the Bible says. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet that they distributed to each one as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, Having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then in another place, in Acts chapter 11, verses 23-26, some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, that is, the Greeks, the Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, so that it was for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So tonight I want to talk about being an encourager. Some people have the gift of encouragement. Some people are just naturally inclined to be an encourager to other people. That is their disposition. That is how God has put them together. Some people have the gift of discouragement. <laughs> you know, they, they, they don't never see the glass half full. You know, it's always half empty for them. Uh, and, but, but, you know, if you're a discourager, you can learn to be an encourager. Uh, But it is important, I think, in these days, with all of this that is going on, for us to to consciously be aware that we need to encourage other people. You never know what somebody is going through. 
You never know the, the, the burdens that they are bearing or the obstacles that they are facing. Uh, you just never know. And it really doesn't cost you anything to be an encourager to other people. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything. It, it, it's not really a great sacrifice to be an encourager, but what a blessing you can be to somebody else by just simply giving them a word of encouragement. And no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what those circumstances of your life may be, it's good to have encouragement. And I think one of the great things that we can do as Christians, and it doesn't cost a whole lot, it doesn't cost anything, but it can be such a blessing is that, that we can think about how we can be in, of, of an encouraging way to other people. And today I was in a store, ran down and, you know, got a few essentials that we needed. And there was a gentleman in there and he had bought some bad batteries and he'd come back to exchange the batteries at the store. And we were in line and I just took up a conversation with him and he began to tell me about the troubles of life. I didn't know him from Adam's house cat. And by the way, did Adam really have a house cat? I don't know. I didn't know him anyway, but I just, you know, struck up a conversation while we were waiting in line to, you know, to check out. And he began to share with me all this kind of stuff going on in his life. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I will pray for you. And he said, well, I appreciate that. And in fact, I had just about a 10 second prayer with him because it was my turn to check out, you know, and uh, but I prayed for him uh, and, and that God would be with him. Now, you know, that's nothing. That didn't cost me anything. And I could have just stood in line and not said anything to anybody, you know, uh, but what does it cost? You know, now he could have not have responded and said, well, kiss my foot, you know, and I'm not talking to you, but he did. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything to be an encourager. And so here's Barnabas. He's a member of the first church in Jerusalem. He becomes a very prominent member and he does some significant things in the early church. He really is an encouragement to the church, so much so that the apostles said, well, there comes old Barnabas. He's an encourager, the son of encouragement. Now, one of the things we have to, to understand is that we need to be encouragers because God is an encourager. The Bible tells us God himself is an encourager. 2 Corinthians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Another translation of the word comfort is encouragement. God is an encouraging God. Now we know that. We know that God is an encouraging God because his word, the Bible, is an encouraging book. God is encouraging, an encourager, and that's reflected in his word. The Bible assures us that God loves us. Doesn't that encourage you? Nobody else in the world may love you, but God loves you. The God who made you is the God who loves you. The Bible tells us that God cares about us. You know, Jesus says he knows how many hairs are on your head. I don't keep him very busy in that department, but it's a, you know, it's a hyperbole statement of saying that he knows the intricate details of your life. 
that God cares for us. Our God, our God, the God of the universe, he knows us. He knows who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what's happening in our life, and he loves us. And he cares for us. The Bible assures us that God loves us in spite of our sin. He loves us in spite of our rebellion against him. He loves us in spite of knowing everything there is to know about us. And the Bible assures us that no matter who we are or what we have done, no one is beyond forgiveness, grace, and mercy. God is willing to forgive the sins of any person who will turn and trust in him. So God is an encouraging God. It encourages me to know that God loves me and that God cares for me and he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. It encourages me to know that in spite of my sin, he gave me grace and mercy and he saved me and he's redeemed me and he's adopted me, adopted me as his child. Now, are there times when I struggle with the fact that God loves me? That's a human condition. And all, everyone struggles at times with, well, this is going on in my life. Why is this happening? Does God really love me and care for me? And the answer is yes, he does. He cares for you. And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will see us through every valley. He will always provide for us. You see, when you have troubles, here's what you do. You don't run from God, you run to God. When you have troubles in your life, trials in your life, things going on in your life, questions in your life that you don't have answers to, you don't run from God. You run to God. And you cling to God. And you hold on to God. You know, there's little kids that made it out of that school last week. Uh, who, you know, they rescued through the witness and all of that. You know, the first thing they did, they ran to their parents. <laughs> they hang, hang, hanged on, uh, hung, you know, put their arms around their parents. They hung on to their parents. When you have troubles and, and difficulties in life, you don't run from God. You run to Him. You cling to Him. You hold on to Him. You put your faith in Him. You trust in Him. And you don't let Him go. See, here's the thing. God has promised that that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Well, we need to make that same promise to God, that we will never leave him and forsake him, right? He's made that promise to us. Therefore, we need to make that promise to him, that no matter what's going on in my life, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so God is an encouraging God. Therefore, God wants us to be encouragers. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 that as Christians, we are to comfort or encourage the faint-hearted. We are to give encouragement to those who are discouraged. We are to give encouragement to those who are dealing with issues in life. We're to give encouragement to those who need encouragement. Let me share with you some ways that Barnabas was an encourager. Uh, he was given this nickname. Why? Why, would, why, would, why did they say, well, here comes Barney the Encourager? <laughs> why? Well, he was a member of the First uh, Baptist Church of Jerusalem. <laughs> really wasn't that, but, you know, the First Church in Jerusalem. And, and a lot of people were saved on the, on the day of, of Pentecost. The church was growing tremendously. 
Peter stood up and preached a sermon. 3,000 people were saved and baptized and became a part of that church on one day. So the church was, was growing exponentially. And see, a lot of people have come, had come to Jerusalem from around the world for the Passover, from different parts of the world. It was always the dream of, <coughs> excuse me, of a Jew living outside of, of Israel to make a pilgrimage to be in Jerusalem for a Passover at least one time in their life. And so Jerusalem was a city normally of about 75,000 people. But when Passover came, it would swell to almost 2 million people. People would come from all over the ancient world just to have Passover in the city of Jerusalem. Well, on that faithful day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and preached and multitudes were saved, a lot of people who would come, who would be pilgrims to come to Jerusalem for, for uh, the Passover, would stay 50 days later for Pentecost. And that's what they did. A multitude of people had stayed. Then they got saved and they didn't want to go home. They wanted to stay in Jerusalem. So the church grew. And then you had a lot of people who had needs in the church of Jerusalem. You had a lot of elderly people. You had, Christians began to be persecuted. And so Christians were losing their jobs. Uh, they, they were, there were a lot of people who had great needs in the church of Jerusalem. So they started a benevolence program. They say, well, let's, let's set up a benevolence fund so that we can help people who have needs in the church. You know, and they had certain criteria for those that they would help. It wasn't a freeloading program or anything like that. They had certain criteria for those that would be helped. But they said, let's, let's set up a fund. And that's what they did. You know who was the first one to contribute to that fund? Barnabas. He was a rich man. He was a wealthy man. He was a landowner. He went and sold his land, took the money, and he was the first one to contribute to that, that benevolence fund to help the, the poor people uh, who were a part of the church in Jerusalem. And immediately the people saw how encouraging Barnabas was. So an encourager is someone when they see a need, they try their very best to meet that need. Now, you don't have to give people money to be an encourager. You know, so these days, you know, you might say, well, I don't have a lot of money to give and it takes everything I have to live and, and, and just to take care of me and my family. And I don't have a whole lot of money that I can give. But, you know, you give more than just money. You can give love. You can give help. You can give time. You can give a word of appreciation. You can give a word of encouragement. You can give what you can give. You may have an older neighbor who can't really get out and do yard work. You might help them with the yard work. You can help someone, they need to get to the doctor and they can't get to the doctor. And you can say, well, I'll help you get to the doctor. Uh, you might keep the kids of a young family so they can you know, go out on the town every now and then and take a break. I mean, there's a lot of ways we can encourage other people, but here's the thing, you gotta be an intentional encourager. You have to get up in the morning and say, well, today I want to see who I can encourage today. And by the way, if you're you tended to be a selfish person, self-absorbed, self-concerned about stuff going on in your life, and you want to break that, be an encourager. Put your eyes, take your eyes off yourself and put it on other people. And you can encourage other people in multitudes of ways. Barnabas was the first guy in line. 
to give money to that benevolence program. And he set the tone for other people to give. Also, encouragers seek to be a friend to the lonely, the left out, and the looked over. Remember that Saul of Tarsus was persecuting the early Christian church. Uh, he, he, he was the lead persecutor of the early church. He was arresting Christians. He was torturing Christians. He threw multitudes of Christians uh, uh, you know, into prison. He oversaw the execution of the first Christian martyr, a martyr, a man by the name of Stephen. And then he was on the way to Damascus to do the same thing to Christians in Damascus. And y'all remember what happened? The Lord met him on the road to Damascus and he got saved. Well, after he got saved, you know, after he met Christ in that dramatic conversion experience on the road to Damascus, he went back, he, he left Damascus and he went back to Jerusalem and he wanted to tell the church in Jerusalem what had happened to him. But the problem was when he got back to Jerusalem, to the church, the church didn't want to have anything to do with him because they had seen the damage that Paul had done to the early church. And he had arrested many of their friends and he had persecuted many of them. And so when Paul came and he tried to join himself to the church, they all probably got together and said, well, he's just faking it. He wants to get our names. He wants to get information on us so that we can be arrested. And they wouldn't have anything to do with Saul. The church shut him out. That we're not going to trust you. We think you're faking all this. So you can do more damage to the church. Now imagine being a Christian and no fellow Christian. No one in the church would have anything to do with you. Imagine that. That is until one man <laughs> went and found Saul and he brought him before the church. He was Saul before he was Paul. He brought him before the church. He said, I want you to come with me. And he brought Saul of Tarsus in the church. And the people probably took a deep breath and said, what, are this, what is this guy doing? And he stood up and he told them the story of how Saul of Tarsus had come to know Jesus Christ. And he said, brothers and sisters, he's been saved. And we don't need to shut him out. Yes, he's done all terrible things, but he's been saved. He's been redeemed. He's been changed. We need to accept him. We need to love him. We need to embrace him. You know who that one man was? Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 29. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. An encourager is somebody who looks for people who are lonely, who are left out who are looked over, who are ignored. An encourager is someone who tries to be a friend to those people. To, she, to, to seek to be an encouragement. There are a lot of people who are just lonely. There are a lot of people who feel left out. Their self-esteem is so low, they've been attacked all of their life. You know, they've been looked down on. They've been left out. 
There are a lot of people like that. An encourager is someone who looks for those kind of people and tries to encourage them because you know those people who are left out, flicked over, those people are made in the image of God. And just being an encouragement to people like that will literally change their life. I try, you know, I ask God to help me never to look down on anybody. Who am I to look down on anybody? For heaven's sakes. A sinner such as I. And I ask the Lord, I don't care what color they are. I don't care what social strata they may be in. I don't care, care about their education. I don't care about any of those things. If I can be an encouragement to them, if I can show them that somebody actually thinks they're worth something and that somebody cares for them, I want to do that. You know, Jesus said, even if you offer a cup of cold water in his name, that you'll be blessed. What is a cup of cold water? You know, that small act of service that God notices and he will bless you. Well, giving a cup of cold water of encouragement to those who may be left out. And I don't, I take umbrage when those people are abused and those people are taken advantage of. And I, I ask God, never let me do that. Never, never let me do that. And so an encouragement is some, a encourager is someone who looks for people like that and wants to be an encouragement. Encouragers support the church and the work of the church. Here's another occasion, and I'm hurrying, when, when Barnabas was an encourager. Some guys, persecution at the church of Jerusalem. So some people from the church of Jerusalem went up to Antioch, a Pisidia, that was the province. Went up to Antioch and they began to preach. They didn't know any better. They didn't just preach to the Jews, they preached to the Gentiles, the Hellenist. <laughs> they didn't know any better. They didn't know they were supposed to be preaching Jesus to these Gentiles. So later they learned that was the right thing to do. So they preached and a lot of people got saved. And it was like, boy, wouldn't you love to see it? You know, I, I saw one church in, uh, in Georgia last Sunday baptized 300 people. Over, over a, a, like a month, 300 people in this church, in this small town, had gotten saved. And they baptized 300 people. Now, the, I hope the preacher didn't do all 300 baptisms because he'd be worn out. I'm sure they took turns. Wouldn't it be great to see that? Well, here in the Antioch of Pisidia, Jesus is being preached and people are getting saved. And a church is established. And it's a growing church and a thriving church. Well, word gets back down to the church in Jerusalem that this church at, at Antioch, you know, people are being saved and they're mostly Gentiles. And the Jews in the church at Jerusalem, they're not yet fully convinced that the gospel is for the Gentiles. So what are they, what's happening? We need to check this out. This is the mother church, Jerusalem. We need to see what's going on up there in that church. You know who they said? <laughs> who they said? Barnabas. Barnabas. And so Barnabas said, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. And I'm sure he wasn't alone, but he was the lead one. He said, I go. So he goes up to this church at Antioch and he doesn't come there as a big wig. He doesn't come there as, you know, some kind of official of checking out what's happening up here, you know, like I'm the official representative from the church at Jerusalem. He just goes as a humble, encouraging servant. And so Barnabas goes up there 
And he fellowships with these people and he, he attends their worship services and he sees what's being preached and hears what's being sung and the messages that are being, uh, being delivered. And he's seeing people saved. And you know what the Bible says? When he saw what was happening, the Bible says he was glad. <laughs> he was glad. And he loved the church. And he encouraged the church. And he did everything that he could to be involved in that church. And he gave a lot of encouraging messages to that church. And encouragers love their church. Encouragers love their church and they love the work of God. And they want to see the work of God thrive. And they're not out, of, out for it for attention. You know, or look what I have done. Look what I have achieved. Look how wonderful I am. Look how powerful I am. Look how amazing I am. Look what a celebrity I am. No, they want the church to grow. And they love it. And they want to encourage the church and be involved in the church and help the church and be an encouragement to the church. You know, some people are just a discouragement waiting to happen. <laughs> you just, you see them coming, you say, oh boy. You know that little character in the Peanuts cartoon that always had the cloud over his head? Isn't that, wasn't that in that? Or maybe it wasn't. In one of them cartoons, this guy always had the cloud over his head, you know? He was always down and dumpy. And there's some church, <laughs> none of y'all. Not any of y'all. But I've had some church members, they had the cloud and they were always down and always dumb. Always had, preacher, I need to see you. <laughs> you know, and all this, and there's always something wrong and all that kind of thing. And they were just a damper. And nobody wanted to be around them, but they had to put up with them. That's what you're supposed to do with church members like that, right? <laughs> you put up with them. You love them anyway. You love them in spite of it. But then there are others who are just encouragers. You know, they, they, they pray for the preacher and they pray for the music director and they pray for the church and they encourage people. And they say, you know, I love my church. I want my church to grow and I want to be involved and active. Anyway, all right, hurry. Encourage your support and encourage ministers of God. You know, after Paul was saved, he spent some time in Jerusalem, he went home to Tarsus. And he was in Tarsus, and he went to seminary. And you know who his teacher was? God. While he was in Tarsus for about three years, he studied the scriptures, and, he, he, and, and God communicated amazing things to Paul. Well, he's there in Tarsus, and I'm sure he's praying, Oh, God, what am I supposed to do next? I know you've said that I'm to go to the Gentile world to preach the gospel. What am I supposed to do next? So one day Paul is in his, is there praying. There's a knock at the door. He opens the door and guess who's standing there? Barnabas. Barnabas said, hey Paul, how you doing? He said, you know what? God has laid you on my heart. We've got a growing church over here at Antioch of Pisidia. It's mostly Gentile people and they need to be taught about Christian things. They need to be encouraged in, in the Christian faith. And I believe you're the man for the job. <laughs> Paul said, let me get my hat. <laughs> and he went with Barnabas. And he was there at the church at Antioch. And Barnabas was right by him the whole time. I want to tell you something. And I know it sounds a little self-serving, but it's true. 
Preachers need encouragement. Pastors need encouragement. You know, I've got a lot of preacher friends, pastor friends. We get together and we, we talk about preacher stuff, pastor stuff, you know? That's what you do, you know? Soldiers get together, they talk about soldier stuff. Ladies get together, they talk about lady stuff. Preachers get together, they talk about preacher stuff. And a lot of preachers, bless their hearts, especially these days, there's a lot of discouragement in the ministry, a lot of burnout in the ministry. And you know what it is? A lot of times, preachers have such a desire, such a desire to see people saved, to see their church grow. They have such a desire. And then Sunday after Sunday, they preach and they give it their best and they give it everything they have. And often they say, very little visible results. And it's discouraging. There's a lot of discouragement in the ministry. And, and encouragers will want to encourage those who have been called by God in the ministry. There's a, men, a preacher or a music director or whatever. Preachers need encouragers. And I'm not saying that in a, in a self-serving way. Y'all are very encouraging, you know? You, you tell a lot of stories on Sunday when you say, Brother Chris, that was the greatest sermon I ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> you mean it, you know? And that's all right. I never will forget one time. I, I, was, I was greeting people at the door as they were leaving after I preached. And there was a little five-year-old boy. Now, he was a rascal of the 10th degree, you know? But I loved the little rascal. He walked by me. He cocked his eye. He looked at me and he said, five years old, he looked at me and he said, good job, preach. <laughs> and man, that was encouraging to me. You know, good job, preach. People in the ministry do need encouragement. They do. And, uh, so, and that's what Barnabas did. Find him, find him. One other thing. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying because we've got choir practice. What's wrong with y'all? I got one other thing. Encourages seek to encourage and restore fallen people. You know who went with Paul on his first missionary journey? Barnabas. Right? Barnabas. Also a young man by the name of Mark. Barnabas, Paul, Mark on the first missionary journey. Halfway through the journey, Mark, for some reason, turned around and went home. Now, Paul didn't like that. He didn't like that at all. He thought Mark ought to stay with him, stay with him. But he went home. So Paul and Barnabas, they probably had discussion about it. Barnabas said, Paul, don't be so hard on him now. He's just a young kid, you know, and this is hard out here. We've already, people have already tried to kill us and run us out of town. Don't be so hard on him. And I can see Paul saying, well, he needs, he needs to be a man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The Lord has called us to this. So they had their little thing. Anyway, they finished their first missionary journey. So they went back home to Antioch again. They went back home. Later on, they decided to have a second missionary journey. And Paul said to Barnabas, Barnabas, I think it's time for us to go. We need to go again. Barnabas said, good, I'll go get Mark. And Paul said, nope, you're not going to get Mark. He's not coming with us. And Barnabas said, now, Paul, that's too hard now. Don't be so hard on him. Paul said, nope, absolutely not. He turned back, and he's not going with us. 
Barnabas said, well, I'm not going to leave him alone. I'm, I'm not going to just let him go. I tell you what, Paul, you take Silas and you go one way and I'll take Barnabas or, or Mark and I'll go the other way. Y'all remember that from the Bible? And, and an encourager seeks to encourage and restore fallen people. Barnabas wasn't going to let Mark go. He stayed with Mark. He knew Mark was young. He wanted to encourage Mark. He knew Mark was going to, you know, going to be a great Christian. And he was. Guess who wrote the gospel of Mark? Mark. That same Mark. And by the way, when the apostle Paul was in prison in Rome and he needed some stuff, he wrote to one church and he said, and I quote, be sure to send Mark to me for he is of great value to me as if he is my own son. Later on, Paul saw the value of Mark. So let's be encouragers. Let's be encouragers. And you know, young people need encouragement. Old people need encouragement. Everybody needs an encouraging word. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truth For Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.